sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hour number two, are you ready? Of green and growing, good morning. It's Ashley Frasca here with you live on a Saturday morning and happy to be here. Uh, Can't wait to get through the show today. Learn a lot, hear from you, 404-872-0750. And have uh, Premier Tree Solutions, the guys from Chop My Tree, in the studio here in just a little bit in about half an hour. So if you have a burning tree question, well, my goodness, that's going to be the time to call. Whether it's a question about a disease or moving one or maybe installing some new ones, tree health, tree pruning, any of that. Jeff and Raphael are going to be along to help answer those questions. So 404-872-0750. You may want to go ahead and call now. Secure your spot. And then, uh, you know, put the phone on speaker. That way you can still hear the show, walk around, get your coffee, make your breakfast, whatever. And they will be in the studio in about 30 minutes from now. One of the tree questions I think we're going to get, and I may just be preemptive with them when they come in the studio, is what is happening to my oak trees? Why are all the leaves turning brown and why are all the leaves falling? So we'll definitely cover that. If you've been following my blogs and my Facebook posts, you know exactly what happened to the oaks. And I'll just go ahead and give you a hint. It's okay. You don't need to, please don't have the tree taken down. It's not sick. It's just some kind of natural occurrence that we don't see too often, but it is happening. So Raphael will fill us in a little bit more on that. But like the Facebook page so you can actually see pictures. A radio show is very difficult to do uh, when we're trying to do plant identification or describing a condition of a plant or a disease or how it looks or how the bug looks. Um, So I try to make everything as visual as possible for you. And just along my journey of learning about things, posting it on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. And also, if you're not on Facebook, the website, wsbradio.com slash green and growing. You're able to see the blogs and some really good uh, questions and answers, questions I get from listeners that kind of have a common theme or I'm getting that question an awful lot. And also the bottom of the page, uh, Green and Growing Events. So events around town, uh, parts of town that I may be in for certain appearances or just classes and workshops. And I'm really trying to stay um, up to snuff on the kids' classes this summer to give you parents some relief. If you can bring the kids to the Dunwoody Nature Center or Pike Nurseries on a Wednesday, you got to stay. You can't drop them off. But um, get the kids out. Give yourself a little bit of a break. The kids could maybe learn for free for an hour or two long class. So that's going to be great. Uh, So I didn't learn this recently. This is something that I have known about myself. Uh, I was talking about the heat and how that's actually kind of energized me to really do a little more gardening here recently, planting some perennials, being able to cut some things back, uh, laying some new stepping stones in the yard. Of course, keeping up with the vegetable garden. Now I'm at the point where I'm pretty much watering every other day, um, not wasting any water. Uh, watering at the base of the tomatoes and the base of the cucumber plants and making sure I either do that uh, between 6 and 9 in the morning, which is difficult because I'm usually here six days a week from 6 to 9, but that's the best time to water. Or in the evening, you know, maybe once it cools off a little bit, 6 or 7 o'clock, again, at the base of the plant. That way I'm not leaving the leaves wet and susceptible to disease. But yeah, one thing being out and so over anxious in the garden is I know I'm really susceptible to poison ivy and I get it every year. And sometimes I get it twice a year. And every time I get it, it gets worse and worse and worse. So here I am with band-aids on my left arm and I have a long sleeve shirt on today, but band-aids on my left arm because I know it's coming. I don't want to spread it. 
And then I'll probably in a few nights end up sleeping with a T-shirt wrapped around my arm with rubber bands on each end to make sure I'm not spreading it or touching in my sleep or rolling around, changing the sheets and the towels every day, if not every other day. So here I am lamenting to my coworkers, yeah, it's, you know, it's summertime and Ashley's out in the garden. She gets poison ivy. And I was told when I came in this morning that Judd Hickenbotham left some advice for me, and I can't wait to hear what this advice is that Judd left for me. So let's hear that. Ashley, please remember, leaves of three, let it be. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay, Judd. I get it. And uh, meteorologist Christina Edwards piggybacked on that, too, and she's got some good advice. She's not teasing me. Don't get beat by the heat. Make sure you stay hydrated, and of course, it's okay to take breaks. Come on out from the garden or if you're mowing the lawn, you want to go into the air conditioning, especially if you start to feel that you're getting kind of dizzy or you've got a headache or even if your stomach is starting to rumble a little bit. Those are your cues that you're starting to overheat and you want to go inside. See, we look out for each other here at WSB Radio. <laughs> Thank you very much. So I think it goes leaves of three, let it be. And I think like leaves of five, it's alive. But that's stupid because... It doesn't have to have just five leaves to be alive. I mean, most everything that's green outside is alive. But I guess that's more referring to uh, Virginia creeper, which I don't really have a reaction to. But I do understand some people um, definitely break out when they come in contact with Virginia creeper, too. So those terrible leafy vines really, really need to be careful when out in the yard about those things. Um, So having questions, yeah, from a lot of you about watering. Um, Angela wanting to know the best time of day to water a young eastern redbud tree. Uh, Some of the leaves are yellowing. So yeah, that that could be a water issue, either too much or too little. Again, the most effective time to water is going to be in the morning, 6 to 10. And a lot of you are smart. You get out and do your gardening early because it's less hot. But 6 to 9 at the base of the tree. And you also want to make sure, you know, water out too from the base. I mean, think about those roots. They're going out as far wide as the canopy is. So they they definitely need water, a soaker hose or a sprinkler, whatever is going to cut it for you. Um, And then Pixie asked too about using water from a dehumidifier to water house plants and outdoor plants. Is that safe? Absolutely. Yeah. When you get that gallon of of water from your dehumidifier and it's time to empty it, I wouldn't waste that water. I wouldn't be pouring it down the drain. Yeah. Go pour it on the mums or pour it on the, you know, plants you've got outside. I think that water is just fine. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Back out to the phone. So go up to Hall County in Gainesville. Talk to Matt. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Ashley. How are you? Great. What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, I think we had a tree specialist that we're going to be on air. Yeah, they'll be here in just a little bit. So do you have a question for them? Uh, yeah, I had an inquiry. I've got two citrus I've got one uh, blood orange, and I've also got one lime tree. My inquiry was as far as cross-pollination. Like, are they not fruiting at all? The lime is two years older than the blood orange, mm-hmm. and it has flowered, but I haven't really gotten dipped in it, and I was just curious how it could affect one another. Okay, and making sure we have the right sets of trees planted to kind of complement each other and cross-pollinate each other. That's kind of what the question is? 
Yes, ma'am. Okay, okay. I like that. And I do know, I don't know as much about citrus, so I'm glad you uh, are holding on to that question, Matt. We'll certainly ask Raphael. Raphael on staff with uh, Premier Tree Solutions, ChopMyTree.com, is a certified arborist, so we'll ask him about that. Um, And I do know when it comes to apples, you know, it is sometimes uh, preferred to have different varieties so that that pollen uh, travels around. And, you know, thinking about... um, Bradford pear trees as well. Obviously, they're not going to be producing anything that we're going to be eating, but a lot of pollen from Bradford pears could be transferred to apple and pear trees and things like that. Citrus, I don't know. So, Matt, if you want to hang on, I can let you on with Raphael. If you need to hang up, you can certainly do that. That'll be one of the first things I cover with Raphael when they come on at 730. Thank you very much for the call. Yeah, I'm just not sure. Um, And I know there's also these really exciting things in the industry that are uh, fruit salad or fruit cocktail trees, which is wild that maybe a variety of a lemon and then a different variety like a lime have been grafted onto the same rootstock, or it's even the case with apples as well. There's two or three different kinds of apples that have been grafted onto the same rootstock, and you get a tree that's going to grow different kinds of fruit. Now, granted, all in the same family, but you'll have two or three varieties of apples on that one tree. So that's really interesting. But yeah, I mean, that would also have to make sure that it's harnessing the power of proper pollination and making sure that they're able to fruit just as successfully. So thank you for that, Matt. I'm not really 100% sure um, on pollination and what's necessary for citrus trees, but I will give you an answer for sure. We'll cover that with Raphael and Premier Tree Solutions and Jeff Roth here in about 20 minutes. 404-872-0750. Up next is Bart in Sonoy calling. Good morning, Bart. Good morning. How are you, Ashley? Very good. How about yourself? Great. Thank you. I am a first-time rose grower, and we have planted some dwarf knockouts. They look extremely healthy, putting off nice buds. But I've started to notice holes in some leaves. Oh boy. Don't know what's causing that. All right. So absolutely. I had that in my knockouts maybe a couple of months ago. Um, and boy, is that a pain. So I posted about it on the Facebook page if you want to go back and kind of reference that. But that's lace bug. Okay. Lace bug. And they are just awful to, to get. And maybe earlier in the season, too, you'll see rose sawfly. And it's the same kind of thing. Rose sawfly are tiny little green caterpillars in the spring that are going to be on the back of those leaves, and they're going to eat holes through the leaves. And thankfully, they don't, in the stage that they're a caterpillar, like in April, May, they're not going to stay a caterpillar for long enough to necessarily decimate the entire bush. Um, But for the time that they're there, for the few weeks that they're there, yeah, they can really get after a lot. So um, systemic insecticides meaning the ones that go throughout the whole plant system are effective. Um, so be thinking about that. And I honestly went through mine in May and removed as many of those guys from the undersides of the leaves as I could spot. Um, and the more vigorous the bush gets, I don't think it's going to be as of as big of a concern, but it is just unsightly. Yeah, absolutely. So um, being on the lookout and being preventative with maybe like a bear product in the blue bottle used to be, or bear, it now is bio-advanced, but in the blue bottle, um, there's a rose care product that they have that's kind of a three-in-one and being preventative as soon as they start to really leaf out and look good in April, May, go ahead and and getting ahead of not only rose sawfly, but you're going to want to watch out for Japanese beetles as well. Um, And then continuing to deadhead those, Bart, that's the best rose advice that I have ever gotten, is just going going below the expired bloom, but going back at least to 
uh, the highest leaf cluster you can find, like if you go backwards on the stem, if there's a three-leaf cluster, go past that and get to where right above maybe a five-leaf cluster, the highest number leaf cluster you can find, and make a pruning cut right above that. And I know you feel like, ooh, that could be, you know, I'm cutting six or seven inches off of the, the plant. But don't worry, new growth is going to happen right there where you've made the cut. So making sure you continuously deadhead knockouts, and you'll certainly get blooms well into October, November. And, you know, when you see that new growth flush out, it's really, really pretty, that deep, deep red color. And so you'll know that they're happy. And also... um, a word of caution to folks that are newly planting knockouts, um, and even those of us that have existing ones, that rose rosette, we start talking about that in the summer every year, especially when it comes to knockouts, just because they are everywhere. And so this rose rosette virus, this disease that's introduced by a, the vector is a mite, um, gets in the soil and folks may notice that if that gets to their knockouts, the growth on a rose is going to be really, it's going to become really gnarly looking and discolored and just crumpled over. It's going to have a very strange look. And if you get rose rosette and you can identify it in other people's landscapes as it happens, uh, that is fatal. So if you ever get that and you yank those bushes out and clean out everything, every leaf that it's dropped, every petal that it's dropped, put all that in a black trash bag throw it away. You don't you don't want to plant roses in that place for a number of years, if ever again. But Bart, I don't mean to scare you because that's not likely that that's going to be the case with you. Yeah, deadheading them, getting ahead of insects early in the spring and making sure they're mulched, uh, dwarf variety or not. Mulch is going to make every plant happy. I think you'll be well on your way with success with the roses. Thanks for the call. We're going to take a break and we'll be back to green and growing right here on WSP. And we're back to green and growing right here on 95.5 WSB. An update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. Yeah, meteorologist Christina Edwards. And during the weekends, Channel 2 meteorologist Brad Nitz saying uh, scattered thunderstorms for today and tomorrow. Mostly cloudy, hot and humid, of course, because it's summertime in Georgia. Highs in the 90s and lows around 70. And that chance of rain starts off our work week. And goodness gracious, even though a lot of folks were on vacation and we have more folks working from home, last week in Atlanta traffic was a complete disaster. Unfortunately, had a number of fatal crashes um, in the mornings. So please keep that in mind. When you start the work week off with rain in the forecast, that does call for much more disastrous conditions on the Metro Atlanta Interstate. Sadly, it's just how it is. And especially when we haven't seen rain for a long time, folks tend to lose it a little bit. So plan uh, accordingly on Monday morning. If you can, allow yourself extra time. Dial those speeds down and all kinds of things. 404-872-0750. Going to talk to Hugh in Jonesboro. Hey, Hugh, welcome to the show. Yes, ma'am. I just wanted to tell you what I personally had experienced with uh Causing ivy. I'm 88 and I've had a lot of it. I take a bath cloth, fold it over, fold it over, fill it with water, you know, get it good and wet, put it in the microwave, Ooh. and you'll have to find out how many seconds. And then it's going to take it out so that it's so hot you can hardly touch it, and then press that against the poison ivy. Now, you don't want to burn yourself, so you may have to open it up and let it uh, cool off just a bit. But I hold that and say, oh, 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 and then I hold it for however long. And then that will keep it from itching, I would say, a half a day or more. Wow. But yeah, maybe a good bit more. That's oh. my experience. 
I like that. And I think it's key what you said, Hugh, is pressing that rag against your skin, not doing any rubbing or anything like that, just holding it still and pressing it in place. But yeah, it must extract something from your skin to take the itch away. Oh, goodness. Oh, I love that. Okay. Thank you. Oh, great to hear from you. I appreciate it. Yeah, from one who knows. You've had experience and so have I. And back when I really started getting bothered with poison ivy, uh, I was a commenting to Walter Reeves all the time. I was in here with him every Saturday morning for eight years thinking, my gosh, I've gone and done it again. And he had good advice too. I guess the Atlanta Journal may not be delivering papers anymore. I I don't know if that rumor is true that it's now all digital. Um, But remember back in the day when the newspaper got dropped at the end of your driveway, you would keep that long, clear plastic bag and go ahead and cut finger holes in the or poke holes in the end of it and put that tall, clear plastic bag, it would go up to your elbow, and then be able to just rubber band it or secure it right above your elbow, and then go ahead and put your garden gloves on. And that way you're offered protection, you know, and then hopefully maybe you have a t-shirt on or something to cover the upper part of your your arm, your biceps. But uh, that's a great idea. And also, you know, there's a lot of glove companies too. Bionic Gloves uh, is one. And there are some at Pike Nursery that are rose gloves, right? So they're going to be that longer gardening glove where it goes up to your elbow and you have that protection. But I still would try to avoid coming in contact with the poison ivy because all it takes is a brush of that leaf and you're going to get that oil on your skin. Or maybe the dog has it. The dog carries the oil on their fur and then unfortunately you can get it on your skin uh, contact that way. But it's always a good idea just when we talked about ticks as well. Uh, When you come inside and you think you've even been anywhere near poison ivy to go ahead and take a shower immediately, Uh, Wash the garden gloves, too. It is not going to hurt, folks, if that's something you've just never thought to do. You need to wash your garden gloves, and you can hang them dry. You know, you need to wash your pruners. We don't think about that, disinfecting our pruners. Uh, Just a word to the wise. My goodness, I have experience with it. And there's also a product. I think there's Ivy Dry, which I have, but I've not used. And there's also Technu. I believe it's T-E-C-H-N-U. And Technu is a box with two solutions, and one is kind of a degreaser so to speak as you've come in contact with the oil rub that on your skin really good immediately within the first couple of hours after contact and the other is like you said once you've got the poison ivy you've got the itch use the other solution to dry it out premier tree solutions chopmytree.com when we come back you're listening to wsb Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Halfway through the show, guys. Having a fantastic Saturday morning. Hope you are. Hope you're waking up well with us on this June 25th. And yeah, it's going to be a hot day, of course. Highs in the mid-90s, no surprise there. Hope you have some plans to maybe play tennis or golf early in the day. Uh, Be at the pool. Don't forget to water your plants outside. Do it early Get out there and beat the heat. 404-872-0750. Coming up before the top of the hour, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend, or if you get around to it in the next week or so, timely things that you can be taken care of. Now, we had Matt from Gainesville still holding in Hall County. Question about uh, the pollination of citrus trees, right? And I'm not super familiar with lemon trees and oranges and things like that. If you were to grow a grove, but some of it is our friend Shannon Pable. It's been a while since she's been on the show, but Shannon, good to hear from you. 
Hey, Ashley, how are you? I am great. Good morning. I love keeping up with you on Facebook. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so Shannon, a very experienced gardener, we've, she's been on the show before, talks about the uh, wine bottle art that you do. What's new? What's going on? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, still working on the wine bottle. So cool. Getting some feedback on my phone right now, so it's a little bit hard for me to hear. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just and make sure you're not standing near the radio. But so uh, apparently you told yeah. Ann, too, that you've got some advice for Matt, because uh, I wasn't sure. I guess lemon trees are self-pollinating, huh? Um, most of your citrus trees are going to be self-pollinating. And now, does it behoove someone, though, to still have more than one? Is that going to increase any chance for better pollination or a better harvest? Not really. It's it's more so going to be um, consistent watering. And obviously, since we're in Zone 7, we're going to have to move our trees inside during the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did notice is when it's really, really hot out, um, I mean, obviously, the trees need to be grown in full sun, but um, if they're in full sun and they're in a container, you got to make sure those roots don't get overheated. Right, right. Because that will affect uh, the fruiting on them, but also the consistent watering um, and making sure that they're in a large enough pot. And two, I mean, still, you know, not having them in the ground, but in a pot, mulch is still a good idea. Just because they're potted doesn't mean you shouldn't consider mulch, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always mulch them. Every year, I put a couple inches of mulch on the surface of the soil. Okay. And uh, what about citrus trees? So Matt knows a little bit more. Are they heavy feeders? Is fertilization required or can we get away without it? Um, You're going to need to fertilize them. And during the, the growing season right now, I'm using an organic fertilizer, and I put it down, oh, maybe every couple of months. Okay. Um, But, yeah, you definitely need to fertilize them, especially since they're in containers. Okay. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, every time you water, a little bit of the nutrition is lost and and seeps out each time, right? Therefore, requiring constant fertilization. Makes sense. Well, thank you very much for the tip, Shannon. That's really helpful to Matt. And I'm embarrassed I didn't know that, but I know that now. Lemon trees are (laughs) self-pollinating. You can't know everything. (laughs) A little about a lot of things. But, well, I will have you back Uh, off the air. I will get with you or I'll send you an email here in the next day or two. I would love to have you back on the show. It's been a little bit, and that was back in the COVID era, Shannon, where I had to have you on the phone. But, shoot, if you want to come in the studio for an hour with us one morning, I would love that. That would be fun. And now folks it. can follow you on Facebook and uh, keep up with your adventures as well, right? Yeah, my my garden and my wine bottle pathway. <laughs> I love it. So just, I mean, it is just your name, right? Shannon Papel on Facebook? Yep. All right, folks, do it. P-A-B-L-E, Shannon Papel. Find her on Facebook. Good morning and thanks for the call. Thanks, Ashley. All right, we'll be talking soon. I look forward to having folks like Shannon on and Mickey Gasway and Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago from ChopMyTree.com. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. How are you doing? I couldn't do the show without experts like you guys. I don't know what I would do. I would just probably be sitting here really nervous looking through garden books by myself all morning. Um, So, Rafael, one of the things that uh, I teased ahead to, and Jeff, you've seen it too, being out there with customers, People are starting to freak out about those oak trees, right? So you may have customers who are wanting to have them taken down, 
but we had this oak leaf miner a few months ago that kind of came out of left field. I I started noticing it on my southern oaks, my white oaks, Mm -hmm. uh, right before Memorial Day. And I'm thinking, why are the leaves turning white? That's a really strange look. Uh, And then some people started having brown spots on them. But nonetheless, it was this oak leaf miner guy. I'm not going to say a rare occurrence, but it just hasn't happened in recent years. And then lo and behold, everyone saw it across the board throughout North Georgia. So are y'all having customers that are like, oh, gosh, something must be wrong with my oak. I need to have it taken down. And thankfully, y'all are like, no, 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 you can intervene. Like, don't cut the tree down. It's not it's not sick necessarily. No. Well, that yeah, these are leaf spots. You know, in some cases, there are different diseases that get kind of get mixed in. Uh, We've seen a lot of those recently. Uh, I actually have a couple of jobs that we're going to do some injections on those trees. Wow. Uh, And you're correct. A lot of people were freaking out and saying, yeah, we need to take those trees down. They're dying. No, that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, most Most of the foliage diseases like this one. It goes away when comes fall. You mm-hmm. know, the leaves go away, and then we have a new season, and the new healthy leaves will come in. So it doesn't necessarily kill a tree or, or is detrimental to the tree. Yeah. You know, just, just, it's an eyesore. Gosh, I get it. It's no cosmetically, joke. yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't look good. So if you can, uh, you know, live with it for one growing season, hopefully the next season you're not going to see it. And one option is to apply the, uh, the injectables. And uh, so this is a... In most cases, a bacterial disease that causes the leaf spot. So we have the OTC uh, that is an antibiotic that we can inject into your tree. Not right now. If you do it right now, you're not going to see the leaves that are already infected going back to life. But yeah. if you want to wait, if you can wait one growing season, like I said, by spring next year to make mm-hmm. sure that you're not going to have it again, then we can uh, apply those injectables. And that's going to be a preventative for any kind of bacteria. That any may, kind of bacteria, correct. That the tree may be susceptible to. Okay. So, yeah, now's not the time for that. And I remember the last time we had you guys on talking about injectables as far as uh, folks not wanting the sweet gumballs yeah. or as many pine cones coming out of the tree. And spring is the time for that, too. Spring spring is the time for that. Don't apply it now. Don't don't even try. Yeah, yeah. I think March and uh, most of the trees March and there's like I said, there's a seven day window specifically for the sweet gum, which, which is the biggest request that we have, and it's a seven day window in the spring. Don't it doesn't don't even try to do it in a different time of the year. Yeah, because you've got to get ahead of when you know just the the tree takes its course of nature and starts to have the fruiting bodies and things on it. I mean, you have to get ahead of that or else it's not going to work. That's correct. So, and Jeff, what do you hear from customers? Because we have had, you know, it's not a drought yet, which I'm shocked that, I mean, I I don't study meteorology, but it's surprising to me that at this point in toward the end of June, we haven't been given a drought level yet, but still calling it abnormally dry conditions. Are customers really concerned about the health of some of their favorite ornamental trees because it's been so dry, or have they asked you a lot of questions about that? I mean, I haven't heard much about that. Um, I do a lot of the uh, the commercial and the municipality work, so Raphael sees a lot more of the residential clients. Um, I know we got a lot of rain coming this week. Yay! Yeah, and it's going <laughs> to be a little cooler, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, like August September hot mm-hmm. last couple of weeks. So yeah. well, so even in the larger expanses of public spaces and landscapes mm-hmm. and things, you haven't necessarily seen any tree health failing or anything like that due to these this hot weather. No, I have not. No. And just, just jump in. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just in my experience, you know, for mature specimen trees, it takes a lot, a very very severe draw to uh, mm-hmm. kill a tree yeah. that is well established. Uh, this is more important for 
young juvenile trees or newly transplanted trees as well, you have to make sure you water them r- mm-hmm. very frequently. So that that has more of an impact on younger trees for sure. And I mean, that's you know the exact reason why we don't want to plant a new shrub or a new tree in the heat of summer. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because that's so much stress on the roots and the mm-hmm. roots really need that time in the fall and early spring to focus on establishment, therefore, for the betterment of the tree in the long run. So if anyone's looking to install new trees and shrubs now, is certainly not the time. Um, even if you water religiously, I just still think it's going to be too much stress on the planet. Yeah, it's still a challenge, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so would you say, you know, someone maybe established a new tree in their landscape uh, last fall, first year or two are probably the most critical with, you know, with watering. consistent watering? Uh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yes, until the roots are well established, you have to make sure you water that tree every day. Yeah, or at least every two days. And soaker hose, or how do we best do that in the landscape? Uh, soaker hose is a good option. Um, just uh, I don't think the, the the type of mechanism as as long as you water it properly, I mm-hmm. think you should be okay. And you allow for probably you know when you're when you're watering something larger like that to really allow for the water to even start to pond and puddle a little bit at the surface that way you know there's going to be enough water to right. then soak in through the soil and get down to where it needs yes, to be yes you have to stay there especially for a bigger tree for a larger uh specimen tree you have to be there for a while and wait for that puddle to disappear that means water is coming through and then you can water again yeah so very important to remember now but uh, for those of you that are kind of low maintenance hands-off gardeners <laughs> uh the more trees you have the better because there's yes. not a lot you need to be worried about right right yes. now but you have those high maintenance little annuals in your garden beds and your containers and they are just and vegetables too so demanding right now with the water so really hope that you're doing that probably every other day again best to water in the morning but if you can get out there in the evening and that's just when the best time is for you six seven o'clock watering at the base of the plant whether it is a flower whether it is a tree or shrub watering at the base of the plant that way it gets right to the roots where it needs to go the leaves don't need water so you don't have to water overhead and get the whole plant wet um, but well making noted. sure, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, point. really, like, don't waste water on the leaves because they they don't need it. The root, the plant takes up the moisture and the water through its roots. So the that's leaves, yeah, the leaves are supposed to, to release water. The roots acquire. That's perfect. Yeah. See, certified arborist right here go. actually knows the transpiration Correct. process, yes. <laughs> isn't that right? <laughs> the transpiration go. process of these plants. So I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you with any of your tree questions, whether it's a question about an invasive tree, maybe. Um, what to do about tree health or maybe dropping some limbs or something's not quite right with the bark. You have a tree that you're concerned about. We did talk to the Georgia Forestry Commission about a month ago, too, with uh, some needle drop. You know, folks were noticing some of that with their pines, too, whether or not that's a concern. Um, And I have a question, too, about getting a stump ground as well. So we can cover anything tree health with Premier Tree Solutions here with me until 9 o'clock. And, of course, at 830, Pike Nursery coming along, too, to share some info with you. So 404-872-0750 is the number to get you on Green and Growing coming up here in just a few minutes. When we return, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend, it's WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and inform. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. We do have a chance of rain in the forecast, and maybe some of you were fortunate enough to see a little bit of it yesterday, but scattered thunderstorms. It's going to be humid and hot, highs in the low 90s, and lows dipping down to 70, and rain starts off the work week. Green, green and growing.
Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, we'll quickly get through these. Number one, it is time for ticks. After working outside under trees or in woodsy areas, be quick when you get inside. Remove your clothes. You can put them in a hot dryer for 10 to 15 minutes to kill the ticks, but I would say wash them first. Just go ahead and wash them. You're going to need to wash them eventually anyways. Then put them in the dryer. It'll be all taken care of. Check your skin as well or have someone else do it, especially the areas where your clothes fit tight, like maybe your socks around your ankles. Number two, the foliage has browned completely on daffodils for sure, even on some irises. So now you could dig them up and move them, uh, transplant them if you need to. Irises need to just barely be covered with dirt. Daffodils a little bit deeper, planted three to four inches deep, and it doesn't hurt to leave the leaves on there when you transplant them. But if the leaves are completely dead, you can go ahead and cut them off. And number three, if you can stand the heat, stay after invasive plants like bamboo, English ivy, privet. Remove what you can manually, and brush killers are most effective if that's the route you need to go. When temperatures are warm, growth is active, and the air is calm. So definitely read the labels on those brush killers before applying them. And there's also things when you think about herbicides and pesticides in the lawn as well. There are some that aren't effective when it's this hot. Honestly, the bottles will say don't use when temperatures are above 90 degrees. So really got to read that label. And Jeff, I saw you nod just a little bit when I was talking about ticks. What do you guys do for your crews? Just kind of remind folks like, hey, you know, you're going to be outside all day and you're around trees. Please be very careful. Yeah, I mean, we ask them to watch out for those things. And just, you know, speaking about the ticks, I pull probably one to three ticks off each one of my dogs every day. Oh, they are absolutely horrible. Yeah. So Do you use tweezers or hand? Uh, sometimes or? they're just on the, the coat and I can pull them right off. Mm-hmm. And every now and then one gets attached and I'll use some tweezers. And Yeah. Have you ever used that yeah. comb on the dog? The, like if the twigs are, or the twigs, if the ticks are a little <laughs> bit deeper, there's like a comb that you can oh, use. I didn't if know there's, that. Yeah, I had never used uh, that either, but yeah. Shadow short hair, so I don't really see it as much. But that's yeah. a good reminder, too, not only on us, Check but looking pets, on the yeah, pets, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And for sometimes sure. they get, one will get by. I've seen them inside the ear cavity. Oh, no. So um, they're sneaky. Yeah, for sure. Well, I definitely want to talk to you guys as we've got you for another hour of the show. Um, letting homeowners know indications of a tree's failing health, what to look out for at what point they realize this tree may be a hazard. Uh, We need to give chopmytree.com a call or visit on the website, have them out to really look at the tree health. Um, You know, rest assured that that is, in fact, what the case is and having the tree removed. Um, And just situations where, you know, things may be a risk, as you said, Raphael, or a hazard um, as well. And then maybe when you start to see fruiting bodies like mushrooms or something oh, like yeah. that going on, what does that mean? Some folks think they're really pretty and they may want to harvest <laughs> them. And then others are like, no, no, that's a really bad sign. So we'll get to that. And I want to talk about uh, having stumps ground out as well. We may have a minute here for Joe's call from Jonesboro. Let's see if we can get you in Joe. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Great. What's going on? Well, uh, Way back in the old, good old days, uh, people leave it on vacation for two weeks they, to uh, water their plants in the yard. They dig a hole in the ground and get a, a plastic bottle, fill it with water, and then stick a needle in the bottom, a real small hole, and then cover it up. And that would allow water to drip out over the course of the next two weeks. Hmm. But I was wondering if uh, you do the same thing but put sawdust in it or even hydrogel. And then uh, uh, liquefy it, cover it up so it doesn't evaporate so quick. Would that be a, a good way to water your plant while you're away? 
Interesting. I guess I don't see why not. Yeah, anything that's going to be like a slow drip irrigation type thing. Yeah. And as long as it's working out for you, yeah. Yeah, the guys like are idea. nodding too. Why not? Absolutely. Use what you got. Yeah. Uh, one other thing, uh, carbonated water, is, it's got carbon dioxide in it, right? Uh, is that good for plants too? Hmm. That I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't heard mm. anything about it. Maybe maybe it is. <laughs> I Plants breathe carbon dioxide. They do, so that's why oxygen. I'm saying it, make, it makes sense. Oxygen give off carbon dioxide. I yeah. wonder if that would be a good, good option. Yeah. It I makes mean, a lot of sense. Yeah, logic yeah. would tell us. I don't see why not, but yeah. H2O, nothing beats good old hydrogen dioxide, you know, as far as just regular water goes. Yeah. But interesting little uh, tip yeah. for keeping we'll the plants Definitely do some watered. research on it. Yeah, yeah thank you so much for the call, Joe. Well, when we come back, we've got calls for Premier Tree Solutions. ChopMyTree.com. We'll be talking to Patrick about a mimosa tree, Lynn and Flowery Brants, Shelby and Dorothy, and you. When you call 404-872-0750, stick with us until 9 o'clock. Having a great time this Saturday on Green and Growing. And, of course, you know Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It Show. Come on from 9 to noon today. Hope you're having a great weekend. We'll be right back. Stay tuned to 95.5 WSB.